and welcome to the Lazy Book Club podcast, the book club for those who don't want to read or leave the house. My name is Matt Gonzalez. Here's David. David Fox. <laughs> so creepy. And I'm Josh Matheson. This week is our epilogue episode for Animal Farm. We have finished our fifth book, the fifth season wow. of the Lazy Book Club, boys. Five? It feels like... In, Forever. It's one of those where, <laughs> well, no, it feels like, oh, yeah, we've been doing this for a while. But also, it feels like sitting around doing Yesterday. those first few chapters of Alice really wasn't that yeah, long ago. Yeah, I know. Well, it's crazy, it, it, isn't it? It feels like a long time that we were doing it in the same room because mm. there's almost no different phases. It's true. Um, so what did you guys think of our fifth book then? What was? Have you got any highlights? Well, the highlights are not what spring to mind when you think about this book. No, it's uh, particularly as it is one that just gets steadily darker. Yeah, um, <laughs> I think all in all, I probably would say this is this is up there. Perhaps my my favourite read. Oh, okay. Yeah, I I, I think because just because of the way it was sort of balanced between. I know we've already we talked about this in weeks gone by, but uh, the, the just the fact that it's dealing with such real, such relatable stuff. Um, that was not only current at the time, but as we realized is just as current now. But at the same time, it, it does feel like the, the, the style of it feels like you're just sort of being, you know, just having this story reported to you of, you know, daily life on the farm. And it seems quite, you know, it just kind of rumbles along. And uh, and I felt like that made it quite, quite, quite easy to read, even though what we we're reading about wasn't necessarily. It was uh, quite challenging. Pleasant. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. I've had quite a few people say that this has been one of their favourite books, actually, that we've done so far. And I was shocked by that because I thought that this one, people would find it quite heavy going. But I think because it is so nuanced and it is so clever and it has so many layers and it's so mm. applicable as well. I think yeah. a lot of people have found it quite interesting as well as informative and kind of educational. But it's quite a, um, I thought, I mean, the highlight of the whole thing for me is it is quite a modern it must be one of the first sort of, it's almost like the first black mirror type thing of it. Mm. It's taking something that's quite presentable yeah. and cuddly or like the way they started making cartoons graphic and violent or mm. making political points. Whereas cartoons always used to be slapstick and a bit of fun. They've taken this sort of night farms. We think of like, Oh, I'm going to go, we're going to go to the petting zoo and a farm seems quite a nice place, even though a lot of the time they're not, but it seems like this nice place that, actually what's happening there is so bad yeah and i think even though i'd read this as i kept on mentioning it even though i'll probably score least in the quiz um had read it during school um i still had in my head like that it was going to be a little bit more jolly i don't mm. know why that was i thought oh it's gonna be really good fun and then the and there'll be and then all of a sudden like the idea of the voices being silly or us having a laugh just suddenly became a bit like oh no that's that's this us doing this podcast has actually changed its course for this particular yeah. series. So that's yeah. been interesting. I think my highlight was Kermit, though. I think yeah. we needed that. Oh, we yeah. definitely needed that sunshine accent all the way through just to kind of stop it from ever becoming yeah. depressing, particularly because everything Squealer said was so horrible. Like yeah. you've always hated him because he's so manipulative. So it kind of just took the edge off just having that little ray of sunshine. Sort of putting that, like, yeah, yeah. comrades. And it uh, what was the one after like the knackers yard, and it was like the worst mm. one, like one of our most beloved. That's characters. definitely my low light. Yeah. My low and then after where Josh goes, 
ha ha like essentially yeah 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 <laughs> any other low lights i think boxer's death has to be the main one really that kind of hits home i think because he's just the hero of the whole piece all the way until that point i thought the ritual executions were slightly mm. low lighty the only snowball crit- made me do it <laughs> well that, that was the, i was going to say the low light and it's i think a good idea to have criticisms of the book as i don't i think they i thought that snowball thing would have been a bigger but i yeah. guess he really was just trying to make everything an allegory for real life events then yeah like trotsky's finish it, it didn't it just sort of he petered away really and he was although no he was saying he was state killed wasn't he so maybe they he could've... was he was murdered but in mexico but he had left the ussr like and was like yep okay done walking away dust my hands of it but the end of the day i think this is what orwell was trying to point out was that it was the external threat was always a made-up one it was about controlling people and mm. fear-mongering snowball was never a threat to the farm he was never going to come back he's he was long gone he'd he'd turned his heels and he ran and he went yeah okay never go back there again but it served napoleon's interests and his agenda it's not like an an apparent low light but just just i remember reading the very first sentence of the last chapter which was just it was something along the lines of several years had passed since blah 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 and i think it was just like Wow, you like you established this 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 bleak. You literally stomped all over everyone and made their lives miserable. And then and then they just take like, it all, accepted it and take it. And mm. it's, it's just a new norm. And there's something really quite depressing about that. Like in the middle of the action, you know, there's shock and there's drama and whatever. But I think, yeah, like a real downer of the book is just the fact that they they just sort of went along with it, and that's. Yeah, definitely. But, but I think very- it also we we we've realised in this last year how quickly people become accustomed to a new regime. Because mm. the amount of times I have people who try and shake my hand and I'm like, no, I can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, but it's only been a year of not shaking hands, and suddenly it's like was- weird that people try and shake my hand. I was watching a show. I was watching a show just today, and um, this woman was about to go onto a plane, and I was literally like, why is she wearing a mask? Yeah. <laughs> and I thought, oh, oh, yeah, this is in a world we where it's a thing. But this is the way I thought that. I was like, yes, I'm indoctrinated. You've become so accustomed to it already. It doesn't take long. It doesn't take long mm. to build a habit at all. Yeah. Mm. As our orator, um, I definitely found, found this one um, uh, l- less challenging to read than Dickens, just comparing that to our last novel. The sentences uh, were easier, yeah. Yeah, I think Orwell has has a much better, like an economy of words that didn't seem sparing, that didn't seem underdeveloped or underdescriptive. Like some of the bits that we had in in I remember in, in Alice in Wonderland, my way back when we were like, "What? How could you not? That's all you're giving us? There's no more description." Whereas I felt like there was adequate description, but it wasn't that like overly verbose where you literally no. can't even get out a sentence. Um, so that was quite nice. That was yeah. quite a ple- pleasant to to, to encounter. Yeah, yeah, like a strangely easy read for such a heavy subject. I would imagine mm. you could probably mm. read that in a couple of afternoons and not, yeah, like mm. struggle. You would definitely. I mean, this is again we talk about book club and why why we may or may not read quite a lot is if you have a bad experience with a book which you have to keep on turning back to read at elements that can often put you off the next reading the next book. Yeah. Um, whereas I, I would guess if you picked this book up and you hadn't read for a while and your relationship with books had gone down a little bit you'd probably be able to read it and feel quite accomplished and 
and read I it quite know. quickly as well. Yeah, mm. yeah, not that long. Mm. Well, as with all our epilogues, we have a special guest joining us today. So yeah, we here do. we are, boys. We have Noah from the Gaming Arc, who's the only non-lazy element hello. of the yeah. Lazy Book Club. Hello, Noah. How are you? Well, hello. Thank you. Yeah, hi, hi. going to that non-lazy bit. Matt's like, "Hey, uh, can you do this tomorrow?" And I'm like, "Huh? Yeah. <laughs> what?" I did forget. <laughs> I was like, I, I I messaged Noah, going, "Oh yeah, we're gonna do the podcast tomorrow. Is that okay?" And it's like, uh, yeah, I have to actually do research and write a quiz. I don't just turn up on the day like the rest of you losers. I'm like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, you got prep to do, huh? Yeah, yeah just so, a little uh, bit. Just a little yeah, bit. unfortunately, we gave you quite a um, short deadline. It was a very quick turnaround for this one. We kind of sprung it on you. You've got a few facts about this book for us, haven't you? I do. Yeah. I've do also you wanna... got a couple couple facts of just uh, Orwell himself, which I came across that I thought. Ah, oh, brilliant. Could, we've not looked at Orwell, the person, really at no. all over the last 10 weeks. So it might be nice yeah. to start with those ones, actually. Let's have a little, let's find all out right. about the man behind <laughs> the farm. <laughs> okay. But I've just got, I feel like I need to um, preface them as in like, they're not, they're stupid facts. I'm oh, not going to give you that better. much insight even into your life. Awesome. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's always nice to know that intelligent people have stupid facts about themselves. Do you know what I mean? It yeah. makes, you, it make, it makes them feel more real, more human. Although I, I did pick two of them that were some somewhat um, related to the book himself. So Orwell himself had a pet goat called Muriel. Brilliant. Ah. <laughs> See, this is a kind of fact that we need. It's true. That makes people <laughs> happy. And that's why, and that's why, I mean, that's why he's, there's Muriel in the book. Who's the yeah? Wise, so. Oh, I like I like yeah. my pet. Let's make let's make them living in a universe where their life is hell. Yeah. It also though <laughs> explains why Muriel didn't get killed off by the pigs and that she like lived and died of old age. Like she didn't get screwed over. And also so. that Muriel was one of the smarter ones. Muriel could yeah, read. she could read. Yeah. Yep. So there's a there's like a picture of him feeding Muriel by his cottage out there uh-huh. somewhere on the internet. Um, also, I found out that. Um, Lovely Orr's first ever word as a child, if you can imagine this. What would you think it is? Oh, that's a good game. Communism. Comrade. (laughs) (laughs) Comrade mother. More milk. (laughs) George Orwell's first word was um, spoon. No. Go on, David. I'm looking it in. I said damnation. 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 (laughs) (laughs) Reprobate. Yeah. Okay, funnily enough, it's a word that you would think would be used in Animal Farm, but it actually isn't. And the word is beastly. What? That's a complicated word. Just like a little however old you are when you start learning. He's like, mother, that's beastly. Positively ghastly. (laughs) That could be an adverb. Whose first word is an adverb? Beastly, you know, beastly. Yeah. He had a habit of literally just calling everything beastly. Amazing. Wow. Well, it's Except a lot more fruity <laughs> and cultured than just no, which is what most toddlers scream at you while they're doing what Mom. they should be doing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So those those are a little bit about him, about the man behind Amazing. the behind the bit book. Of fun. Lovely. I enjoyed those. Now the book itself um, actually had two different names. So the first time he was going to publish it, it was going to be called uh, Manor Farm, which 
is yeah the original name yeah Mm -hmm. (laughs) however when it was actually published its official published name was animal farm a fairy story oh it's not a fairy story no In in the sense that it's a cautionary tale, is that what we're thinking? Yeah, I'm. I'm. That's what I'm presuming because it only then got shortened to Animal Farm because that's what in America that's what they, you know how they they like to change the names yeah. of things like Sorcerer Stone, Philosopher Stone, yeah. whatever. They went and just went nah, straight up Animal Farm, and it just went. I just that to me sounds like publishers peer pressure, where they're like, oh, this is a land where there are talking animals therefore it's a fairy tale therefore you have to put fairy story in it because that's what pinocchio was that's what alice in wonderland is this is exactly what we were talking about before about maybe parents confusing this pleasant little frolic on the farm as being an Mm. actual kid story and then oh no and then they slit the pig's throats that's not we Mm -hmm. shouldn't be (laughs) it's it's not a good not a good way to uh to label it is it if it's going to draw that kind of crowd no, but thinking about like publishing and the pressures of publishing, it does make sense because um, there was actually a lot of difficulty in publishing this book. Um, Orwell couldn't get anyone to publish it for the longest time. Even T.S. Eliot refused to publish his book, though he did enjoy the book and said it was incredibly well written, but he thought it was unwise to criticise the political situation at the present time, and right. therefore he just didn't do it. Was it was one of those hot potatoes where everyone's just trying to avoid it. Which must yeah. be why he kind of then was like, a fairy story, maybe? Hmm? Mm. Because try and Probably trying to drum up the fiction element of the story to yes, pull it exactly. away from the reality that it's actually based in. When a company did finally take it, um, take it up, it was Jonathan Cape, um, they were warned off from publishing. So they decided, yeah, we'll publish it. And then a few weeks later, went back on their word and went, no, we're not publishing it. Um, because they were warned off by Peter Smollett, a government official, who later was discovered was actually a Soviet spy. Wow. <gasps> That's cool. Mama. So what? his book was purposely turned away from publishing. Censored, by yeah. Mm-hmm. Like you see my point. So, like, what year was this that it was eventually published? Like, or when was he trying to get it published? Do you know? Do you oh, in that down particular there? one, I haven't written it down actually. I'll but like, do you know? Do you know what year it actually got? Yeah, published? during the war. It was during the war. I think it was forty-two, forty-three. Because what was interesting is that during this time, you actually found a lot of instances where the West was pandering to authoritarian regimes. So if anyone's out interested out there, there's a lot of uh, really interesting podcasts regarding Hollywood and Nazism and how Hollywood pandered towards Hitler and the Nazis in the way that they created their movies. And rather than, you know, everyone always seems to think that like Hollywood is countercultural or like ahead of its time or liberal pushing and all the rest of it. And actually it's not. It's just all about making money and they will cozy up to dictators. They will cozy up to horrible people if it means that they will sell movies. That's what it boils down to. And that's exactly what's happened here, but with the Soviets instead of Germany. Now, here's the thing is like, so the Soviets, obviously, they were trying to stop this book being published, etc, etc. But the people who did actually actively put money into it in the sense of 
both publishing it and the uh, the film that came out, the animated film, mm-hmm. uh, was the CIA. Ah, uh, well, I'm not surprised so, there. Yeah, so in in 1954, the animated film was funded by the CIA, although the ending was changed. Yeah, um, I did that. Yep, where the outside they got outsiders' help from overthrown. Yeah, so that was the. Which is probably a whole justification for the Vietnam War and everything mm-hmm. else that kind Outside of the CIA help, yeah. and in, in Guatemala well, and like social, you know, all those places in Latin America that the CIA went in and overturned socialist governments that had been elected. Exactly. Mm-hmm. The CIA had actively used Animal Farm as a propaganda tool. Mm-hmm. Um, they really dropped, um, yeah. they dropped, they dropped copies of Animal Farm um, into Iron Curtain countries wow. from 1952 to 1957s in balloons. They launched balloons and dropped copies of Animal Farms. Someone just finds a book in the middle of a field. Like, yeah. I don't know. It's not like, my language. I must overthrow my government. <laughs> <laughs> and also, like, did, uh, you have to sort of think, did they actively, like, translate it as well? Or did they just yeah. expect these poor people to just be like, English book? Okay. <laughs> I imagine most people went... Yeah, this will burn well. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be warm for a night. Also, they'd be shocked if they went around the roads near me because people always leave books on their like outdoor wall yeah. all the time for to go and pick up. It just would have been like that. So maybe they were still doing that as well in those days and the message just would have got lost. It's a lovely public library. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they put a book back in place just because that's what they thought it was like a book yes, exchange or something. It. I wonder how Orwell felt about that. Did did they say anything about how he felt about it being kind of like taken as a propaganda tool for the American government? No, I couldn't actively find anything on that, funnily enough. Right. Because obviously it would have still been in copyright by then. So he would have still maintained intellectual prop, you know, rights over it. So you get to decide what your work is used for and by who. I guess, who. but can you stop the CIA? Well, I suppose you can't you can't stop someone buying your book and dropping it in a third world country. I suppose that's the it's thing. Their property. Like, it might be that he, it might it, it's possible that he had absolutely no idea. I mean, because... it's also possible he went. Well, how much are you paying me? Yeah, sure, exactly. you can make a movie. You don't know if the IA was like, "Hey, is it all right if we use your book in 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 war?" And he was like, "Yeah, sure, that's dandy." Or if he was just if just turned out years later, it's like, "Oh, by the way," and then yeah. it's like. I can't see the, I can't see the CIA asking permission. No, no, I think I do it in Waterstones. The, you know, you, you, I'd, I'd like this book, please. Yeah, like, can you just fill in this questionnaire? It's like, um, when are you going to read it on holiday? Uh, it's like, uh, how much did you pay for the book? Uh, Eight pound ninety nine. And are you going to drop it off in behind the Iron Curtain? Oh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you be using this propaganda? <laughs> yeah, put put it in there to win a fifty pound voucher. Oh, okay. Then, I wonder yeah. if. Uh, the CIA kind of taking his book led him to write 1984. <laughs> Maybe that was the inspiration of the surveillance state. Maybe he felt the CIA was watching him from then on. <laughs> He's like, well, they've done it before. They can do As it As a possible revolutionary, yeah. That's it. But isn't that how many, how many acts to do with and centering around his own book literally prove the point he's making about yeah. the ways of the police or, you know, publishers not taking it on and not wanting to put their head above the parapet for fear of being, mm-hmm. you know, academic. You, 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 yeah. know, you, you know what could have happened. Mm-hmm. And so they're just sort of going like, oh, no, we, no, we agree, but I'm not going to do anything about it. 
you know. I'm surprised he didn't walk into all the publishers that rejected it and say, you're all a bunch of Benjamins. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just been like, did you read the book? Did you yeah. did you read it? Because, it, yeah, it wasn't just the Soviet either, um, Soviet Union who banned it. Multiple places banned it. Colombia banned it. Um, just a whole bunch. It was just, it's... Well, I'm sure Cuba probably would have banned it. Yep. My local China. farm shop banned it. <laughs> countries in africa malawi hmm. united um north korea the united yeah. arab emirates just that. everywhere that needs it banned it. but then everywhere yeah because I, I think it was probably wider than just communism it's probably because anybody who was totalitarian or any sort of dictator mm-hmm. would feel that that would be an attack on them and their methods of controlling their populace so it's like you don't have to be a communist to kind of find that threatening. As we said, that a lot of that book applied just as much to Boris Johnson and Trump as it did to Stalin and Castro or any of the others. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In a less CIA and banning note, um, <laughs> <laughs> the wonderful Quentin Blake, I don't know oh, if yeah. you recognise mm. that name, the illustrator for oh, yeah. the Royal Dahl, oh, but yeah. he Dahl, did... Yeah illustration for animal from ah. he is also the illustrator for animal farm there is an illustrated book of it nice done by that if you fancy Want to find some of that artwork to put on instagram yeah. or something yeah love some quentin blake scribbles mm-hmm. yeah it's very uh stylized isn't it his david style. williams mm-hmm. has him now i think oh yeah, yeah. Like, okay um, yeah no that uh, makes sense like slime and gangster granny and all that sort of thing. I thought it was just the case that David Williams was just, was just trying to copy that style. I no, 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 he actually just... got the original illustrator. <laughs> that makes a lot it's more sense. Really, it's a very similar sort of yeah. to Roald Dahl's book. Yes, it's true. No, it's really it good at just painting those sort of scratchy, awful characters. Yeah. Um, I swear I see Lord of the Flies um, as well. Similar, yeah, perhaps. Perhaps I I'd love. Out. I love Quentin Blake style because I, I I always I always loved drawing and art as a kid, but um was never was never like you know like a detailed beautiful painter or whatever. And so when when I used to read the Roald Dahl books, I, was, I would then do like my own little versions of it because it's so it's such a nice way of doing something that's like artistic and and fun, and you can tell what it is. But it's essentially just kind of like that bit rougher around the edges. Um, mm. So yeah, uh, it's I'd I'd like actually quite like to pick up that little copy of illustrated animal farm mm. well while you're on your way to pick that up maybe you can mm. pick up uh pink Floyd's 1977 album animal oh okay that's that well, essentially inspired by the book the whole album ah. was inspired by the book. although i've got to warn you it has been labeled as the bleakest studio album we're number one so maybe while you read your while you read the book the illustrated book you got that in the background you just create a whole right. animal farm atmosphere i reckon coldplay are livid that they don't have officially no. the bleakest studio album. <laughs> well, they don't have the bleakest, but I believe there is a Coldplay song that is inspired by Animal Farm as well. Uh, so they did okay. play their part. Right. They just sampled a couple of pigs and went, there you the go. <laughs> I just Googled that that album. Uh, speaking of yeah. like ble- bleakest album of all time, the album cover is just uh, a factory with some smoke. Oh, nice. So yeah, it's pretty bland. That's a power station. They flow the big uh, uh, air balloon pig above Battersea Power Station. It's supposed to sort of 
represent today? yeah well yeah i think it's supposed to represent like capitalism and things like that but mm. i don't know they sort of like coined and thought oh the pigs are the bad guys so many of the like new yorker cartoons i've seen that ca- criticize capitalism often have wall street people dressed as pigs like pigs at the trough. And, like glass yeah like, eating. so it's quite funny i wonder how eating. much that's been all all you know all well inspired mm. in terms the of the phrase capitalism capitalist pig yeah exactly that is so i do wonder how it it probably if you actually sat down and looked at it you'd probably go oh wow like this book and this author has actually had a massive effect on the way that we talk about money wall street capitalism like Mm. any of these people underneath all of these like you know books being banned and not allowed and being censored there's just an underlying pig class just stopping them What's the P and PR stand for? Yeah. Pig. Pig. (laughs) Big relations. Big relations. (laughs) Well, I think if we add up our scores so far, so this is book five, we've done four. Am I on three and you on one, Josh, or is it two, two? Because I said last time I was winning, but... I don't know. You won Alice. Yeah. I won Peter Pan. Did I win Pinocchio as well? Yeah, you did, I think. And, and we, did, we didn't and we, we didn't, didn't do, do one for Carol. Okay. That's why. Yeah, okay, yeah. it's two one. Okay, cool. Well, we're gonna two, go one, into zero. Our... Yeah. <laughs> so it's just like I'm here too, guys. Did you do I'm your the... homework, David? You said you were gonna no, do your I homework. I didn't. I'm lazy. I'm the I'm West Ham cool. cool. Well, uh, we'll see what happens. Need to have one. I'm gonna sit up though. So yes. No, that's, that's <laughs> now, up till now he was he was lying down on the chaise lounge, but now he's sitting. Yeah, yeah. I want to I want to pay attention to this. We need to assign buzzers, don't we? Yeah. So, Josh, comrades in Kermit. Okay. Comrades. David, <laughs> four legs, good. good. That's yeah. really long. That's long. Yeah, but it's yeah. about who comes in first. It's not about the whole phrase. You just have to. You just have to be the. That first syllable has to be first. And my one will be Napoleon is always right. <laughs> That's what I've heard. Because I think boxer needs to be uh in memoriam somewhere in gotta be present in this it's gotta be remembered seeing as everybody in animal farm seem to forget him yeah i will work harder yeah (laughs) okay but there you go we've got our buzzers you're gonna give people some like ptsd they're gonna start crying now when they hear that voice (laughs) (laughs) oh fuck (laughs) you never use that voice in any other book because i'll just be like oh we're we're retiring that jersey number we're never gonna use that voice again (laughs) Which animal, as in like the name, not the species, okay. um, hides during the Battle of the Cowshed? I will work higher. Yes, Josh. Isn't it Squealer? No. Oh, I God. will work harder. Yes, Matt. Napoleon. No. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, I get a freebie. I get a freebie so I can take my you time. So, oh, get two legs bad. Mm. Hmm. I know it is. Crap, I remember. We're giving David a shot. What's the name of the cat? Remember the name of the cat? The cat doesn't have a name. There's no name for the cat. It can't be her. I I will give you a clue that it is a female name. Yeah, let let him go. No, no, let him go. Go on, David. You can do it. Come on, David. Just say a name. A female name. Muriel. No. I will work harder. (laughs) All right, Matt. What? Molly. Yes. 
The horse. I remember she she runs and hides because of the gunshot. As soon as she hears the gunshot, that's when she runs and hides. That's that's tricky. Because I feel like lots yeah, I was because I was getting yeah. the other battle mixed up. Because there's another one where yeah, I think Squealer that's the one where Squealer hides. One. That's the one yeah. where Squealer hides. The battle of the windmill, or whatever yeah. it is. Yes. Mm. What's the next question? Be who hides during the battle? Of the windmill? <laughs> <laughs> Not quite, but it is related to the windmill because how does Napoleon express his contempt for Snowball's windmill? Oh, I will work hard at. No, go on. Oh, David yeah, can have that, that one. Oh. No, David can have it. Go on. Um, he basically says that anyone who finds Snowball needs to kill him or something. I will work harder. Not quite the answer. Yes, man. He urinates all over the plans. He does. Oh, yeah. He's on oh, the yeah. plan. <laughs> I didn't even miss the question. I knew that. I just thought it was like, what did he say afterwards? Yeah. This is the problem. Like, I, I need to be able to hear the whole question. Think about it, but there's not enough time. No. <laughs> Okay, so who reduces the ideals of animalism to the phrase four legs good, two legs bad? I will work harder. Yes, Matt. Squealer. No, uh, it wasn't him. Comrade! Yes, Josh. Is it Napoleon? It is not. Go on, David. Well, let's go to this one. Is it Snowball? <laughs> it is Snowball. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! As soon as I said it, I was like, "No, it was the other S." I'm not going to win the quiz because this, is, uh, this seems to be harder because there's lots of characters. I'm just going to mop up. So, following on from the last question, who teaches the sheep to chant four legs good and two legs better?" Uh, but what oh, let's go to oh, I think I heard Matt's voice first. Oh. That was very close. It was Squealer. It was Squealer. Comrades! The other <laughs> <laughs> and I did actually know that. I thought I was quite quicker with that one. but. So, what is Sugar Candy Mountain? I walk out of. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I heard Josh there. first. Uh, Wait, okay, what, what is it, literally? Or, uh, no, 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 as in like... Oh, it's it's the place where Moses the Raven th wants everyone to go and it's a, a place of wonder and delights and yeah, but it's not. It's not. But it's not. It's not heaven because it's... essentially, it's 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 just yeah. It's like the animals' heaven. It's it's his like ideal afterlife. Yeah. Afterlife. Can I have that? <laughs> you can. You can because you also specified that it was Moses the Raven. Yeah. <laughs> so I want to have the extra detail. Yeah. <laughs> how many letters is Boxer able to learn? I will work I think I heard Matt first in that one. Four. Yes. Can you get, can you... A, B, C, D. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Which of the pigs proves the best writer? Oh, let's get to the back. Comrades! I David think here. I heard David first. Um, was it Snowball? It was Snowball. Nice. Um, I was going to say Squealer because he's the one who always changes the rules on the side of the barn, but obviously Snowball was there before, and I'm thinking... Post I was going to say Minimus because he writes songs, but uh, <laughs> oh, I forgot about Minimus. <laughs> Probably one of my favorite characters. Yeah, he, he was good. <laughs> what does Napoleon rename Animal Farm in his toast? Comrades! Yes, Josh. The Manor Farm. The Manor Farm. Correct. Why does Napoleon believe that he's dying? I would work harder. I think I heard 
Josh first, just. Uh, because he was majorly hungover. He was. <laughs> it's still one of uh, my favourite bits, good. actually. I forgot about that bit. I was like, Napoleon's dying. And he's like, he is hanging. <laughs> that was the most accurate allegory in the entire book. And I won't hit yeah. anything else on it. I'm going to die. But then right later that same day, yeah, later he's that fine. Same day, he's fine. And he also, he's pl- he's planting a whole field of barley. To make more wind. Like <laughs> Yeah. Is that a barocca? Okay, what are your scores so far? Four. Three. With whom does Napoleon play cards at the end of the novel? Oh, oh I've Matt got in there just. Mr. Pilkington. It is Mr. Pilkington. I was going to say Mr. Giles is probably not a person. <laughs> he might be from the village. Okay, Jones. so what okay. are boxers maxims? I will no, comments! Oh my god, I did not hear that at all. It was just no, 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 no. <laughs> at least Josh was the loudest. I'm going I'm gonna give it to him for loudness. Yeah, fair enough. Thank you. Um, no. well the first one is I will work harder. Yeah. That is. And the second one is Napoleon is always right. And I've just realised I've been saying the wrong buzzer. I was meant to say Napoleon is always right, wasn't I? And I've been saying I will work harder for like the last four questions. <laughs> no, and boy. I mean, you have no. been working harder. <laughs> Which animal refuses to become excited about the windmill? Napoleon is always right. Benjamin. <laughs> yes. Check it is part. old Benjamin. My old spirit Benji. animal. What... Is the reason for the windmill's initial collapse? Come on, I, th- I actually think I heard David's voice just. Go on, David. Just... I've got, I've got um, uh, it. Yeah, because they're make this case. So don't mess it up. I'm just gonna think don't get it wrong. There's two, re- there's two, there's two ways it goes. Um, Stop. Was it, was, it, was the first one? First one's literally just because it was built badly, bad weather, and. Bad foundations and in the wind and stuff. I don't know. Yes. <laughs> it falls in a storm. Bad weather. Yeah. It was a storm. In... What are the scores on the doors, guys? Four. Three. That's unanimous, isn't it? <laughs> that was the most miserable <laughs> three ever. Three. <laughs> How many more we do? All right, well, on, honestly, I feel like at this no, point like... it is, is going to be Matt's victory. But do you want me to give you... Uh, one more anyway. Sudden death. Yeah, winner takes it all. I, I, I could pull level with Josh, which would be you know like, what? You know, I'm a in a gambling mood. Let's do it. Winner takes it all. Okay, Let's do it. Winner takes Come all. On. Holy moly! What Russian institution does the Raven Moses evoke? Napoleon is always right. Blah 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 blah. blah. Yes, Matt. <laughs> the Russian Orthodox Church. No, wait. Moses. Yes. Sorry. Yes, <laughs> you can't do that to me. I was me. like, this is a question. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. No. Like... <laughs> I didn't read the book. I yes, was, you yeah, you would, you would have just like, you'd have never, never heard the end of that. I, I would have flipped no. my table and stomped out. <laughs> <laughs> I should have kept it going, really, just got him left. Yeah, you're like, no, it's not, no honestly. Look, this, is here. <laughs> this is on Orwell's official website. You'd have been like, yeah. what? what? Everything I'm, I'm, I'm looking it out right now. Brilliant. <laughs> Oh, well, you gambled it and it paid off because you are the winner. 
So at the end of book five, the uh, the uh, the mantle of laziest member of the Lazy Book Club is with David Cox. <laughs> 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 Although, although his scores are increasing each quiz, it's true. Can I just say about this as well? Like we, we've like the the sort of the uh, modus operandum of this of this podcast from the start was: oh, we we read books and then we sort of like have a laugh, but we don't have much nuanced like knowledge about it. However, Matt has done, done nothing but have nuanced, corners apart, incited, with educated, his academic like, prowess. If it was just me and Josh, I'm sure we would have had quite a level, but we still would have been guessing, like. You know, people could actually learn from this book, and that's what worries me. Because we were like, "Yeah, I think you know, if I had, if I'd have had this podcast during my GCSEs, it really would have helped." And that's not good. <laughs> that's not good. Um, which is why we're outside we're doing- our remit. <laughs> which means the next book is "Where's Wally." If you if you are listening to this and you have learnt something over the last uh, eleven weeks, I'm so sorry. Yeah, we really uh, apologise. Wasted all of that time when you Go should have been chuckling on the bus. <laughs> Go and listen to the ridiculousness that is Pinocchio to make up for it. <laughs> well, a big massive thank you to Noah once again for You're your welcome. research and the thank quiz. Thank you. Yeah, oh, thank you for having me. Round of you see us clapping. <laughs> you bravo, bravo. Hey. Oh, wow. okay. <laughs> so loud. And thank you to our studio audience. Been absolutely fantastic. Yeah. As people who are regular listeners will know, our epilogue episodes are also the episodes where we announce our next book. Ah-ha. I, don't, I don't have a drum roll. <laughs> I think I've got a part. I've got a. I've got a party noise. <laughs> not quite as epic really is it that was the elephant no, it's like bar. new book <laughs> yeah now <laughs> josh i believe this book it was actually recommended by your wife wasn't it because she it happens was. to be a massive fan of this she's author. a huge fan of the genre it's a yes. genre that we've not delved into before it's not uh, but it's one that hopefully will open us up to so much uh, exciting conversation, yeah. not only amongst ourselves, but with our listeners. And, and Matt didn't do a degree in it. So I good. did not and do Matt... a degree in it. <laughs> <laughs> Is this where we reveal that I actually did do a degree in it? Yes. <laughs> yeah. But in the words of Captain Holt, we are doing our first Who is Who Has Done This? Who has done this? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. A murder mystery shall before Yes. Um, and, uh, so oh, I do hope that, that not too many of our regular listeners, uh, you know, have already, uh, delved into the genre. And uh, those hoping... who has done it. <laughs> <laughs> kind of spoils you, me, doesn't it? If you do know who has done this and you can, yeah, but one, please don't tell us. And two, you can enjoy us, uh, guessing the wrong person. Every yeah. Week, That's not probably. who has done it. I'm just, I'm just going <laughs> to guess the butler every single time. Cause it's just the it safest option butler. really, isn't it? And then it turns yeah, out there yeah, isn't yeah, even fine. a butler in the story. I've changed it. We're not going to do a quiz. We're going to play Cluedo after this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just to oh, determine who so the best good. PI private detective is yeah right exactly you mean we still haven't said the title yet yeah oh sorry yes Uh, so we shall be as of the very next lazy tuesday tuesday that you will come across uh you can tune in for agatha christie's a murder is announced Dun, dun, dun. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. It's I'm, I'm really looking forward to delving into YouTube sound effects library to see if I can find mm. little extra sound effects to add to the podcast oh, as well. To. Yeah. 
to make them a little bit more dramatic and a bit more real life. So I hope you guys have enjoyed Animal Farm. If you have any more thoughts or opinions on the book, then you can message us on thelazybookclub at gmail.com. Or if you've got your own facts or you had any other disputed answers to questions like Matt might have done, so on Twitter at Lazy Book Club Pod. Uh, you can join us on Instagram. Uh, I'd love to see uh, your odes to Animal Farm and Quentin Blake, perhaps, at Lazy Book Club Pod. And we are, of course, on Patreon now, where for the very low fee of $3 a month, you get an extra episode every month. And also you get to see the video of the podcasts as well. So you don't just get the audio from the normal podcast. You get to see the videos of our very odd faces pulling. You get to see Josh basically pulling all the weird faces he pulls when he reads these books. Which yeah, is we also like... I was juggling with fire today. <laughs> Matt's wear, Matt wearing like a suit, which has got just pictures of babies on it. You just wouldn't see it. Otherwise, no? so. What you actually see, because what David said is complete nonsense. It's just me drinking wine while Every laughing. Every episode. He's got on I'll be recording at nine in the morning. That's what's uh, weird. Yeah. <laughs> I do just look like the alcoholic of the podcast, don't I? It's great. Oh, there you go. Yes. So join us next week for our very first Who Done It? Agatha Christie's A Murder is Announced. We will see you then. Thank you again, Noah. (laughs) We'll put everyone up on the screen for the final bye. Thank you very much. Bye. These waves are just for the people on Patreon.